Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, the founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and club for ambitious podcasters with phenomenal taste, high expectations, and a desire to sound as good as I do right now. Wannabe's focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industry. In this episode, we are bringing you three phenomenal human beings who I respect and adore, And today, they'll help you understand why you need to prioritize rest, feel more at peace with yourself, and break out of your obsessive thinking. Buckle up, as it'll go faster than you think. I want to introduce you to Lee Latumbe, who is an incredible content creator, travel photographer, and blogger. Lee celebrates Africa through her content and travel photography, and she effortlessly brings out the inescapable natural beauty of the continent you will see for yourself when you follow her. The focus of this interview is to look within and challenge our thoughts and decisions, to take control of our lives and move forward with intention and purpose. Lee is warm, vulnerable and endearing. You are definitely in safe hands here. So let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? That's such a heavy question. I don't think I ever really knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. So from a career standpoint, I just knew that I didn't want what society was telling me I should have. And I wanted to carve out my own path. And I wanted to kind of be the person who was living intentionally and living in a way that was honest to themselves, as opposed to kind of trying to meet the standards or the milestones that society was dictating for me to hit. Yeah, that makes sense. And that sounds like so profound and wise. Where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it just, it comes from being on some level, like having a conflicted internal dialogue a lot of times. So there's a lot of internal dialogue that I'm having with myself, which sometimes it's good because it allows me to kind of be reflective and intentional, but then sometimes it's way too critical and, and kind of paralyzes me in a way. So I I used to have panic attacks actually in my late teens and early twenties. I vividly remember my, during like my sister's graduation from like college and we were having this like huge celebratory party for her at this fancy sushi restaurant. And I remember just having a panic attack for whatever reason. And my dad was like trying to talk me off the ledge And he was like, what is going on? What happened? But in that moment, I just felt I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it was, and it just kind of sparked this anxiety about, Mm. are you actually taking steps to do what you want to do? And at the time, but it was just more so about this realization that 
I went to undergrad for finance and actually worked in finance and corporate in the past. And I was kind of on this trajectory that didn't feel honest to me. And seeing my sister celebrate this milestone actually put fear in my heart. Like, she's happy, but this is the path I'm going on. But would this make me happy? And for whatever reason, that triggered that stress. So whenever... I am making decisions or striving to do something else. It's just always about checking in with myself and kind of living inside out versus outside in. And it's just this constant balance of how do I bring to the world who I am? Yes. That's, that's the person who I want to be. Yeah, that's beautiful. There is definitely something to having arguably like like kind of how you describe that moment with your sister. There's these moments that trigger the change mm -hmm. and you never quite know when they're going to come or how they're going to come about. But it sparks like this profound like ripple effect on the rest of your life. But I, I'm sorry to hear that you experience anxiety like that as someone that has also got an anxiety disorder and experienced panic attacks yeah. as well. I don't know that I had the kind of presence of mind to us to kind of ascribe it to me just not being on the right path. I'm glad that you're pursuing what you love and what you intend to do now. And it doesn't always, it's, I think that it's very easy to look back on something and say it from this, like you say, this wise perspective, but it doesn't feel wise in the moment. <laughs> it's, mm. it, it's scary. It's terrifying. And the only reason why I would say that I was, I am able, because it's still something that I, do or experience not at that same level I think it's just important to listen <laughs> I think it's important to listen to yourself I don't think that I think in that specific time of my life and even after I went on to get like a finance degree I went on to work in corporate so <laughs> my panics were warranted because I was going down a path I didn't want but what was actually something that triggered real change beyond the panic attack was actually living the life I didn't want, living it yeah. and not just anticipating living it, but actually being like going to a job that I really feel unfulfilled by and doing all these things. I've always been someone who was really keen and curious about the world. And I traveled since I was very young, thanks to like the business that my parents had. I would go on trips. I would save my money and go on I did like a month in South Africa and that was, and I just like documented that on my Tumblr. And that was kind of what also inspired me to create my own website because I'm like, well, if my photos are doing so great on Tumblr, shouldn't they come to something that I own? But it was just more about just actively living the life I didn't want and just saying, you know what? Like, I'm ready to risk it all <laughs> for what nice. I actually want. <laughs> I want to pick up on something you said earlier around the anxiety you were feeling kind of paralyzing you and paralyzing your decisions. Are there any things that you do now that you know now today that keep you feeling healthy and at peace with yourself? Journaling is a huge one. So of course, when I was doing this on Tumblr, I didn't realize I was journaling. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I find that writing down my thoughts and just getting it out that tends to be extremely helpful. I also started therapy a few months back, which I'm really, really excited about. It's been transformative. I'm someone who has also experienced lots of different traumas, particularly in my childhood and in my like adolescence. And so being able to kind of 
talk to someone in a way that it's truly dedicated to your healing, it's quite transformative. Just in taking that power to say, okay, at least for one hour (laughs) during this week or biweekly or however way you do it, this is dedicated to my healing. And just Mm -hmm. having that scheduled is, is just so empowering. And so that's something else that I do. To be honest, I try to be someone who's fitness <laughs> focused and like <laughs> I'm not always consistent, but I find that once I manage to actually do the thing, I feel good. And so I typically like to do things like Pilates. Cooking for me is so therapeutic. There's just something about using your hands that really, and, and something where there's no deliverable, there's nothing that is required of you other than hoping that you make something that tastes good. There's no, yeah. for me, like I started my platform out of a hobby and it was more of like this creative outlet that allowed me to escape the life that I didn't enjoy, that I was living. And so now that has now turned into my work. And so it's no longer a hobby. And so you have to kind of find new hobbies to to be able to kind of express yourself through. And so I think cooking and like pottery and ceramics, I find quite therapeutic as well. I really loved what you said about your hobby turning it into work. There's conversations around like, find the thing that you want to do, find the thing that you love and turn that into your career and turn it into your work. And then actually... That's the thing is, is that the thing that you love becomes your work. And therefore, (laughs) it is really difficult to maintain the same level of motivation, joy and even passion at times, not always. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that experience for you now, because obviously you've got this massive platform and it's just stunning. Thank you. Um, Just beautiful, beautiful imagery, beautiful person. And it just all combines into like just gorgeousness so the first thing is i do not subscribe to this (laughs) mindset of or this internet way of looking at things where it's like you everything that's a hobby has to be like your career or you have to be no like something sharpen you for other things and so if everything that you're doing is about making money or everything that you're doing is about turning it into a business you're not experiencing certain parts of creativity that are necessary as a journey or a process. But I do think that there is an element of turning your hobby into a business that from a creative standpoint, people are not always prepared for. Because when you say you're a painter, right, and you love painting, that doesn't automatically mean you know how to sell your art. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you know how to build a platform that tells the story of your art. It just means that you really love painting and you enjoy it. And so when you transition from a hobby to a business, you have to understand the business of it. You have to understand exactly. how to navigate and change. Okay, well, when I was first starting out, all I was really doing was taking pictures and like, it was just all, it was all visual. But to be honest with you now, 90% of what I do is sitting at my computer and running a business. It's ensuring that, you know, certain things are done, certain people who I need to hire are paid, there's strategy, there's a lot more involved. And so I think that if you are going into something without understanding the business of it and how you are actually going to be working more than you are creating. (laughs) 
you'll be quite shocked. And so I and so that's part of the reason why also I would say that it's it's okay to have hobbies. It's okay to just do something purely for the enjoyment because when you enjoy that, it sparks a creativity in you that you can then take to the work and the business that you're doing. And if everything you're doing is about a deliverable or it's about driving numbers and analytics, you lose a sense of magic that I think most creatives in particular start. That's the reason why they start. They start because of a feeling. They start because they genuinely love something. I don't think that there's anyone who genuinely loves like Excel spreadsheets and that becomes... (laughs) There's a woman actually, she's called Miss Excel on Instagram and she does these little dancing reels. Okay, I need to to go look. I need to go look. Honestly, it's kind of life-changing. I would actually spend more time making my Excel spreadsheets pretty than actually putting in the formulas to make them work. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) We'll be back with Lee's incredible story in just a few minutes. Before that, I want to introduce you to someone that I know and admire online who'd like to share their areas of improvement, inspiration and motivation with you. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, I'm Jenzella Benson and I'm an author and the head of editorial at Black Ballad, which is the award-winning digital media platform and online community for black women in Britain and beyond. My debut novel, Hope and Glory, will be coming out in February 2022. So right now, I am working on doing rest better. 2020 was a mad year for everyone we know and I literally worked right up through the year up until Christmas. Any annual leave that I took during the year was to work on my novel and yeah I really needed to rest when it got to Christmas. I was frazzled, frayed, very very fragile and this year I've just decided that I want to do rest better. I want to actually rest during the course of the year so that I can enjoy things as they go along rather than kind of enjoying in retrospect. At the moment I'm still in the process of editing my novel so I still work on Saturdays but Sunday is the day that I just don't do anything but play with my kids, go to the park, read a book, just chill. I really, really believe in mentors, but I think that sometimes we put too much focus on mentors in a old sense of the word. So like the kind of one-on-one relationship where you like meet up with people, you go for coffee, you quote unquote pick their brains. But now with technology, with a lot of people having their own platforms, there's a lot more information sharing that goes on without having to actually meet people in person. An author that really is sharing so much is Dorothy Coombson. If you don't know who she is, she's the most successful black British author of commercial adult fiction. Like she's on her 17th or 18th, maybe even 19th book right now. Like (laughs) she's way ahead of everyone in her field. She interviews people within the publishing industry, like literally like sales directors, like what do they do? A book editor, what do they do? So to kind of really share this information, like demystify publishing. And I really admire her in a way. She's kind of like a mentor to me. And I think that we can do it with so many people people that we admire if we just do our googles and we just look at their blogs look up their interviews like there are so many ways to gather information and inspiration from people without having to like email them and try and convince them to meet you in person or to like take a phone call so that's how I get my inspiration what a great way to reframe mentorship 
For more wisdom and gems like this, follow Jendela and Black Ballad on Twitter and Instagram at Jendela and at Black Ballad, where you'll also find details on where to pre-order her book, Hope and Glory. Now, back to our dazzling guest, Leela Tumbe. Could you maybe describe a time where you made a decision that maybe went against your better instincts around your business and what happened <laughs> when that happened? Ooh, I think it's important before I go into the question, but the, the note will be to it's important not to make decisions out of desperation. I think that that's that's probably like the biggest takeaway. And so for me, I would say a decision that I made, uh, this was several years ago, pretty early on, was doing things for money. Of course, if you're in business, the goal is to generate income. At the time, I had (laughs) quit my job in the U.S. and I had moved and I was kind of at the beginning part and trying to figure out how to monetize and how to kind of live off of what I was doing. And so I had kind of gotten to the point where I had gone through all of my savings and was just kind of like, I need to make money. And so this company approached me and they're quite big. So I'm not going to name them. And they actually gave me this great opportunity because I think I had like $5 in my bank account when they approached me. So I was just like, I was so ready. I was like, yes. And so they offered me this huge opportunity that was going to pay me. I think at the time, this was like, it was $15,000. So imagine having $5 in your bank account and this company is offering to pay you $15,000 to go and and to do this campaign. But to be honest, the campaign was absolutely not anything that I actually wanted to do. Like I did that purely because I needed the money. And while I am grateful because that specific job allowed me to kind of fund and to then like (laughs) survive um, for several more months until other work came and all of that. I think that when I look back it's not always a good thing to be in a position where you're desperate because then you will just kind of take what's given. And I didn't even really negotiate because I was so desperate. So I think that I was taken advantage of from like negotiation and the terms and all of that. And again, when, because I was in a place of not really caring that, oh, they could be paying me more for this. And this isn't even something I really want to do. It's like, I just need money. I'm going to do it. And I think that I would, I would advise against that if you can help it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's phenomenal advice and actually such a good point to make because, I mean, we're in a particular period in time where times are really difficult for a lot, a lot of people. So the reassuring thing is like, it's going to, you're probably going to make those decisions anyway. Like that's just bound to happen. Thank you so much for sharing that though, because I think that is really valuable advice for sure. So I have something I asked Elaine Welteroff last season, and now I want to ask all amazing women that I meet this question, but... Where did you get your audacity from? Ooh, wow. What a question. Right? (laughs) Honestly, I believe that I am destined for greatness. 
That is a belief system that I have. And everyone, everyone does. And everyone's greatness looks differently. That's the thing. And so my audacity comes from me knowing that my purpose in life is to is to fulfill my version of greatness. And so I need to do everything in my power to kind of live up to that. I'm just someone who is willing to jump off of a cliff and build my parachute on the way down. That's just who I am. And I think that there's it's so easy for people to look at someone else who they perceive to be taking these risks and doing these things or whatever. And I think that, no, like audacity comes from, it's like, how dare you tell me how I should be? I know who I want to be. I know where I want to go. And if you're not aligned, then this is not the season where we need to be in touch. So please get out of my way while I continue to fulfill my own like self prophecy. And so I, I think that, that it sounds so confident, but in reality, it's terrifying. Like yes. I don't. It's it's actually terrifying. It's actually. I mean, I can't tell you how I I have had panic attacks, and I am someone who is not scared to say that I, I've never been you know diagnosed. But I think that there's elements of depression that I've experienced over the years. But all of those things are part of my journey, but it doesn't waver my faith in what my own purpose is. And there's no one on God's green earth who's going to stand between me and what I want for myself. And I guess my audacity comes from living in the living in the light of that. That is the best answer I think I've ever heard in my life. That oh, was thank sick. you. Oh my God. That was sick. I mean Elaine gave a really great answer to that, but geez, I was not ready. <laughs> what are you working on getting better at right now i have to stop getting in my own way i am i'm someone who is an idea person i'm not an operations person and so i i i love i have so many ideas and even though i have a lot of ideas i talk myself out of them and i out of fear out of doubt and something that I'm consciously working to return back to because I think that when you kind of do something for a while you kind of get into a routine or you talk yourself out of things and my my goal is to get back to the version of myself that is willing to just do as opposed to think about doing and mm. and to just kind of figure it out and not needing to see 10 different steps to be able to take the first one. I think that at the beginning of my journey, I had nothing to lose. So I was able to take risks. I was able to easily be able to say, oh, I'm going to do this. or I'm going to do that. But now I feel like I do have something to lose. And so it makes me more cautious with executing my ideas and making myself more vulnerable. And that's part of the reason why I said yes to the podcast is because I get so, I get so shy. Like I need to get out of my own way and I would like to share more of who I am and not just what my work is, if that makes sense. That does make total sense. Yes. Oh, I feel so blessed to have you on the podcast now. I'm just oh, like, this has you. been <laughs> honestly just a delightful conversation. I was a fan of Lee's before and I am a stan now. If you'd like to travel with ease and style, or better still, you want to escape your current reality, I highly recommend following Lee on Instagram at Spirited Pursuit. Everything she posts is stunning. 
She also has a fantastic number of content creator resources on her website, spiritedpursuit.com. I've used them. They're fantastic. Go cop that. Before we wrap up the show, I want to bring back one of my favorite women, the best-selling author and writer Ijoma Aluo, who shares the seven magic words that help her break obsessive thought cycles. And she also shares her thoughts on how we can create a more just world. Over to you, Ijoma. You know, I'd say the best advice I ever got this this will sound completely unrelated, but it's something I remember in so many different aspects of my life. I was in a relationship, and it was a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was in this obsessive stage. I was a teenager, you know, young adult, probably eighteen, I think. And I was talking about it and talking about it. You know, you know how you how it is. You complain to your friends. You're always talking about things. And my friend's older sister. She's just a couple years older, but you know that seemed like a thousand years older when you're 18. She interrupted me as I was once again complaining, talking about this. She interrupted me and she said, Ijoma, you're so much more interesting than this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and oh my God, it stung so bad. <laughs> I felt like I was punched in the face. But it was true. And oftentimes I find that when we get stuck in these reactionary cycles mm-hmm. where we are obsessing over these hurts and these slights, and we don't, we don't, we forget our worth, and we forget all of the better things we could be putting our brains to. And I just always, you know, try and remember. Occasionally, I'll catch myself, you know, cycling over something someone said to me, and then I'm, you know, it, I'm stuck in pettiness and all this, and then, mm. you know, I'll hear this voice that says, "You are so much more interesting." <laughs> it's the thing I wish, you know, I, I hope that every young person, especially young woman, who has been told by society that she's supposed to obsess over these things that have so little to do with what she has to offer the world. Um, I hope that someone will stop them and say, you are so much more interesting than this. The worst advice I'd ever received, I I would say the worst advice anyone receives, Mm -hmm. um, is when they're told, oh, life isn't fair. Oh. I think that we start telling your kids at a really young age to get used to things that are inherently wrong. Um, and young children have a really good compass for what's fair. And fair is, is really what we're talking about is what's just, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we constantly say, oh, life isn't fair. But we don't tell them life should be fair. That's and true. they're angry because something is wrong mm-hmm. and something should be done. And instead, we tell them to accept it as as a way of the world. And I think that if we allowed our kids to throw more fits and encourage fits when things are wrong and things are unjust, we would have adults who would care a lot more about things that are wrong and things that are unjust. And so that's definitely something I wish I had never been told and I wish that no kids had been told. It is true that life is not fair. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not something that we should ever be resigned to. And we should, at a very young age, when we see a kid, when someone cuts in line and they're upset about it, we should encourage them, you know, and say, yeah, you're right. You noticed this, that someone took advantage, that someone, you know, did something wrong. And that's that's a thing to be upset about instead of just saying life isn't fair. So I would I would encourage anyone out there to stop saying this to the young people you encounter um, and encourage far more fits because we have a society that is not nearly as upset as they should be about how unfair the world is. 
that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the end. I hope this half an hour has been a calming and joyful part of your day. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who needs a little joy and calm and share this episode with them right now. If you want extended interviews, please do screenshot and share this episode to your Instagram stories and tag at content is queen HQ. It also really helps get the word out about the podcast. And, you know, that would be nice, too. So if you love it, let us know. Until next time. Bye. This is a Content is Queen production, hosted by me, Imriel Morgan, edited by Amber Miller and Joseph Perry, sound design by Amber Miller, music and sound effects are from Epidemic Sound. See.